I'm Adrian Jones, and this is Profound Awesomeness. It all began when her muscles started to seize up and she couldn't bend her arms and legs or even open her mouth. Jocelyn Miller was diagnosed with and treated for the ultra-rare Shulman syndrome. They have no idea what caused it. She then contracted deadly aplastic anemia, leading her to bone marrow transplant. Hear Jocelyn's story and how she used humor to get through it all. Oh, and wait until you hear about how she's her daughter's uncle. All right. Hello, everybody. It's uh, Adrian here for another episode of Profound Awesomeness. I am really, really excited to introduce you to our next guest, Jocelyn Miller, who has a pretty remarkable story. I've just been getting to know her recently, and I'm excited that she's been is willing to take some time and share it with us and to share her perspectives and experiences. And uh, in the short conversations I've had with her already leading up this conversation, I've already gained several myself. So I'm looking forward to everybody listening in to, to get the benefit of those as well. So Jocelyn, welcome to the show. Thank you, Adrian. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's great. Great to have you here. And thanks again for making the time. Really appreciate it. Of Uh, course. you know, as we like to start off these conversations, we like to get to know our guests and, you know, take us back a little bit. Tell us about yourself, where you grew up and a little bit about your, your youth and bring us up to speed here. Sure. So um, I am a fourth generation native Orange County girl. And, um, and uh, so I, I went to Foothill High School and then I went on to USC and I have uh, one younger brother that you will hear about in a little bit, I'm sure. And um, I just, I, I, my father's an architect, so I grew up in a very uh, design-oriented home. And um, that has brought me to this place now where I paint and enjoy everything um, kind of with modern art and architecture. Well... Uh, that is great. And you went to USC. I didn't realize that. I went to UCLA for, for graduate school. So we might have a little mini problem here right out of the gates. <laughs> no, I'm just giving you a hard time. No, USC is a phenomenal too. school. Um, yeah, that's great. So you're fourth generation uh, from Orange County. That's That's something else too. There aren't many of you, I can't imagine. There really are not. The, the more I... Uh you know, the more people I meet and, and introduce myself and say that they're like, whoa, you know, so it was right at the the turn of the last century when, when my family uh, began in Orange County. Jeez. Where did they come from? If you don't mind me asking. Um, well, my mother's side of the family came from Spain to what was called new Spain, which is now part of Mexico, Texas, right at that border. Uh, and my, my father's family came from, um, Missouri. Um, but my, my ancestors actually came, um, from Europe, uh, in the early 1600s. And, um, I can, I've, I've gotten into, um, genealogy a bit and I can trace my roots back over 30 generations to the year 998. Wow. Which is really fun to, to do and kind of dig into all of that. <laughs> my goodness. Wow. You went yeah. back. You're a, you're a genealogist on the side, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Oh, um, there's, there's a fellow who um, I can, I can trace a direct line to 
Um, his name was Ralph de la Pomeroy. My, my maiden name is Pomeroy. So it's 30 generations of males that pass that line down, that pass that name down. Um, and he actually um, helped put King William on the, on the throne of England. So um, he had a bunch of land given to him, including this amazing castle that was built on that land um, several centuries later. That was in 1066. And uh, so we actually have visited that castle. My entire family went over and visited what we call our castle. We had to pay an entrance fee, but we kind of tried to protest and say, no, no, this is our castle, but they still made us pay. <laughs> that is so cool. Too bad they made you pay. That's too bad. That's a shame. Yeah. But wow, that, what an experience that must have been. It was cool. It was really cool. We're a little off, off topic, but it was cool. <laughs> that's No, that's great. That's great backgrounder stuff. I love it. Uh, and so you're growing up, your childhood, your, your young adulthood, coming into adult times, uh, you were a pretty healthy, outgoing person, weren't you? Very healthy. I I never um, I never had a bloody nose. I never had stitches. I never broke a bone. I was only hospitalized when I had my two children. I was absolutely picture of health. Nothing. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Until one day. Until one day, um, I woke up and started feeling as if I had worked out really, really hard. And um, you know how you get that lactic acid feeling kind of the next day, you feel really sore in your muscles. And I was working out at the time. So I just thought um, this will pass. And a couple of days went by and then a week went by and then a couple of weeks went by and it just started feeling worse and worse. My muscles just started absolutely seizing up. I couldn't really bend my arms or legs. Um, I, I just put off going to the doctor. I hated going to the doctor um, and finally I just, I went and, and it took about 12 experts to finally figure out what was wrong with me. I had an extremely rare disease. Um, I was told it had only been diagnosed 900 times ever. Um, and, uh, it was called eosinophilic fasciitis, um, otherwise known as Shulman's syndrome, which means, um, the eosinophils uh, in my body were attacking my muscle fascia. So, I literally could not bend my arms, my legs. I couldn't really even open up my, my mouth to, you know, shove a sandwich in. It was a really horrible feeling. Um, uh, so finally I, I had a, um, a deep muscle biopsy of my thigh, which I have a really gnarly Frankenstein scar on my thigh now, um, but they had to go down really deep and get all the different layers of muscle. And um, that's how I was diagnosed. So they put me on a bunch of steroids and different medications that brought my muscles back to life, but all my blood counts started to tank at that point. So um, I kept having to get um, um, blood um, transfusions. I had over a hundred of them. Um, they were keeping me alive while they were trying to figure out now what's wrong with her. Um, I had some um, bone marrow biopsies and they finally determined that I had very severe aplastic anemia, which is basically bone marrow failure. So my bone marrow was not producing white cells, red cells, or platelets. Unbelievable. <laughs> so. And how old were you when you first started to experience this fatigue in your body and your muscle aches? Um, it was actually on my 49th birthday, we had gone 
to Disneyland and just had, you know, charged hard through the park with my kids and my husband. We had been um, celebrating my birthday that way for several years. And we were having dinner at the end of the day. And that's when I kind of first started feeling my muscles were just not, not feeling right. So exactly 49 to answer your question. <laughs> wow. And um, the feeling just to go back and, and walk through that a little bit, uh, it was, it felt like fatigue. Was it <clears throat> extremely painful as well? Or just more, would you describe more as like a fatigue? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't real painful. It was just um, incredibly stiff, really stiff. Um, and I, like most people, I went on the internet to try and figure out what was going on. And I was reading all kinds of horrific things. Most people only post the horrific stuff. They don't post the good stuff. So you probably know that too. <laughs> so um, anyway, I just, I was reading all about what's called a contracture, which means like your joint will actually freeze in a certain position. So um, it, it could have gotten to the point if I, if I wasn't medicated soon enough where my arms and legs would have just, just been stuck in a certain, at a certain angle. Um, so probably, you know, the whole wheelchair and all, all of that would have been, would have been my life, but, um, thank goodness they figured it out in time and were able to, to correct that. And how did you, did you go to your, your general practitioner, doctor or OBG or whatever? And, and that sort of led to doors opening to other specialists and other specialists. Yes. Yes. So I went to my, uh, my GP and then she sent me out to, to everyone. I saw um, neurologists. I saw rheumatologists. I saw infectious disease people. I had been traveling a lot internationally that thought maybe I had some bizarre disease I caught overseas somewhere. Um, yeah, I saw, I saw, like I said, I think I saw 12 different specialists and then it was finally a neurologist that, um, that figured it out. He, he remembered something from medical school that, that just kind of clicked in his, in his brain and said, Oh my gosh, I think it might be this. And that's when I had the biopsy and that's when they, they diagnosed me. Yeah. And going to see all those specialists, were you, was it depressing? Was it scary? Um, were you just excited that you were at least on a path to getting some answers? How are you doing mentally? You know, it's, it's so weird. You just, you never know how you're going to react to something like this, you know? Um, and I found the whole thing, this is going to sound really weird. I found the whole thing kind of fun and adventurous. I never felt scared for my life or, um, you know, for my, my well being. I, I just charged ahead with it. And, you know, sometimes I had four, four doctor's appointments in a day and my husband was a saint and he drove me everywhere and uh, got all my meds for me and shopped and cooked. And he did everything for me, which is incredible. He just, he really helped me through, but um, yeah, as far as my attitude, I don't know why, but um, I never got depressed or serious about it. I just tried to find humor in everything. So, you know, I just would go to these doctor's appointments and just I don't know. I just try to find something funny, which I usually did. <laughs> yes. Uh, your sense of humor got you through it as I think we'll talk totally. a little bit about that, that down the road here in the conversation. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so you're diagnosed with Shulman syndrome, which I think you said there were like 900 uh, observed cases and globally at the time. Correct. Right? Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Not many. And so was the treatment 
experimental or had people decide doctors had sort of come up with uh, a practice on how to treat it? Was it, do you see what I'm saying? Well, experimental, experimental or. Yeah. Um, they were just trying different cocktails of, of drugs. Basically I was sent to, um, a, a doctor at Cedar sinai who had coincidentally treated like four patients with this this disease. So, uh, he was the one to see. So I went up to see him and, um, there were four flight attendants that had all gotten it together. And so he thought that this link, he had boiled it down to this cooking oil that they had all purchased in Spain. So he was asking me if I'd been to Spain. I'm like, what are you talking about? Why are you asking me this? Um, I had been to Spain, but I didn't buy any cooking oil. So that kind of blew his his theory, but (laughs) I don't know. He, he helped kind of um, communicate with um, a couple other doctors. I had this whole team at this point and they were um, talking about what, what they thought was best. So it was kind of a team approach. Fascinating. Um, that <laughs> is, is, is incredibly fascinating. And you, you, as you said earlier, you were a picture and a vision of, of health. Why, you know, why does this? Yeah happened to you at, at that age at, at 49 and you're charging the world and you feel great. Um, we don't know. Don't know. They have no idea what caused it. Um, I'll never know, but in a way, looking back now, um, it sounds weird again, but I'm actually very happy that, that this whole thing happened. Um, because it's given me this incredible outlook on life. And we, Adrian, you and I spoke about this before too, how it's almost like, like this little secret gift that we have where we kind of went over to the edge, kind of looked over the edge and then we're pulled back. And, and now we can, we can look at life differently and just more positively and more gratefully, I think. Yeah. 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 We're, gonna, we're definitely going to dive into that in a sec. No question. Okay. <laughs> at all, for sure. No, you're absolutely spot on. You're absolutely right. And I, I like to call them survivor superpowers. You know, we've talked about yeah. that. Like um, it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, and then after that, you were diagnosed with aplastic anemia. Um, right. So back to, I guess we'll call it back to back. I mean, how rare yeah. is this? It's also rare. Um, yeah. And it's not anemia. A lot of people were thinking, oh, so you just, you're, you know, you're, you didn't have very much iron in your blood. No, no, no. <laughs> aplastic anemia is, is definitely a, a deadly disease. Um, I've throughout this whole journey. I've, I've met several people that have had aplastic anemia that, um, unfortunately passed away. Um, and I was extremely lucky. Um, you, you can, you can treat it with various, various drugs and they tried everything because a bone marrow transplant is definitely a a last resort. Um, they tried everything on me and none of it was working. So they, then they then look to your siblings. A sibling is the only absolute perfect match that you could have because they're the only ones that that can be a hundred percent you, you know, um, now, now they're able to do transplants with, um, half matches, you know, like a parent or a child. Um, but a sibling is the only one that can be a true match. And like I said before, I have one brother and they tested him and he was a near perfect match. So I asked him if he would, um, be willing. And he said, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so my brother donated his bone marrow and, um, on December 14th, 2012, um, his bone marrow was transplanted into my body. 
So that was after a, a week of um, being at City of Hope. Um, the the protocol is to to give the patient a, a week's worth of chemotherapy to basically kill off the bone marrow and the immune system so that it doesn't reject the new marrow that's being introduced. So, um, you know, I did the whole losing of the hair thing. I, I got pretty sick with that. Um, and then they transplanted the bone marrow and then, um, you don't know if it's going to work or not. And then at about three to four weeks time, that's usually when they'll see the count start to rise. And, um, that happened with me. So I was in the hospital for a hundred days and, um, it was a true success after three and a half weeks, my count started to improve and they have, they went to normal levels and they've been normal ever since. So I've, I've celebrated about eight and a half years now of being a normal person. That <laughs> is great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you had yeah. to go through so much, but so happy to hear that you've, you're at eight and a half years of Thanks. survivorship. Um, that is tremendous, uh, tremendous news. I'm very happy for you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And you answered my brother... one of my questions. You were in the hospital for a hundred days during all that. Yeah. Right. And was, yes, this is probably a naive question, but were you in like a very airtight environment and very must have been yeah. extremely sterile and everything like that, right? Yeah. When you're going through this, um, you know, you you basically have no white blood cells to fight anything off. And a hospital yeah. is obviously filled with who knows what, all kinds of germs and things. So yes, yeah. I did have a um a negative pressure room. And so anyone that entered had to scrub up, put on mask, gloves, gown. Um, at one point they had to put on like those hazmat shields. Um, no one, but my immediate family could visit me and they had to go through all that protocol as well to, to come and visit me. So, yeah, but they, they were, my family was absolutely awesome. They drove, you know, it's depending on traffic hour and a half to city of hope. They came up every single day. And my dad is he's the architect, incredibly creative. He made all these games and things that we put up on the wall and we have this sense of humor. It's kind of, it leans towards potty humor. And, um, he made all these incredible things on the wall. I saved them all just, um, amazing. He gave me a Nerf gun. He made a big target that said, you know, like, I don't know if I can say this, Adrian, but it said fucking mouth sores from my, right. from my, <laughs> my, um, chemo, I had, my mouth was just yep. torn to shreds. So all mm. kinds of fun things like that. So we would just like, um, spend time shooting the Nerf gun and pretty soon all the doctors and nurses were in on all that. And we just would laugh the whole time. Everyone was in my room, just laughing. It was fun. That's, I thought it was really fun. <laughs> that's great. I mean, seriously, I mean, given everything you're going through, like to have that level of fun and humor. Um, that sounds really fantastic. What a remarkable family you have. It brought me through. That's for sure. Yeah. So you, fortunately you've made it through. Um, now, is there any risk for your children or anything like that, that we need to be aware um, of? Not sure. Not sure. They don't have any symptoms at, at this point. Um, but they do think that it can be hereditary. Okay. Um, so we're just gonna have to, you know, wait, wait and see. Yeah. Fingers Hopefully crossed not. for not. <laughs> yeah. <honest. laughs> but, but med medicine, even since, you know, I had my procedure, medicine has 
advanced so far. Um, my doctor is is the head of the transplant unit at City of Hope, and he's on the cutting edge. And um, he told me that pretty soon transplants will not be needed. They will just be able to go in and program your own cells to to do whatever they need to do. What? Oh my yeah. Gosh. <laughs> so so there will be no rejection issues. You know, that's that's after a transplant, that's always the, the biggest fear. Of and, course. Um, you know, a lot of patients don't make it because of, because of that. Um, their, their, their bodies are attacked by this, by this new foreign substance. And so that, that will be a thing of the past, which will be great. That's incredible. My head just exploded. Beyond, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My pay grade. But biology <laughs> was my worst grade. I ever high school, sophomore <laughs> year biology was the worst grade I ever got in my entire academic career. I am so not a biology doctor I'm not, person. At I'm all. not either. So. <laughs> um, my daughter, on the other hand, is the opposite be- because of this whole thing I went through. Um, she had this incredible job at the Walt Disney Company, but just wasn't feeling that fulfilled. And she decided to go back to school and she is getting her doctorate in nursing right now. And she's, she's going to be a nurse practitioner and she's that's great. seen it all. And she's all in for bio and medicine. That's, that's her world now. So I'm good I'm, for her. I see. I'm happy to have inspired that. Yeah, her. exactly. I'm sure you did for sure. <laughs> yeah. I the sight of blood and I'm about to pass out. So me too. It's not <laughs> Although I, I got a lot better with, with needles. I, I have to say I was probably yes. poked about 400 times. Oh. And, um, it was not a problem towards the end. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, so you, you made it through and, and hopefully no risks for your children or your, your future grandchildren. Um, yeah. and we talked earlier at the top of the show, a little bit about your interest in genealogy. So I think, uh, if I remember correctly, you took a DNA test and had a surprising result. Oh, that's true. Yes. So uh, part of this whole genealogy thing, uh, my husband gave me a 23andMe kit for Christmas um, several years ago after my transplants. And um, so I was eagerly awaiting the results. And um, I was up really late one night and the email came into my inbox, which I thought were the results of my my test to find out, you know, exactly the the. Um, ancestry where where I'm from exactly and um so it popped up in the message and it said there's been a mistake um in your application you wrote female but the results of your test have come back male so we'd like to know you know how to explain this did you mix up your saliva with someone else in in the household who's also doing a 23andme test and maybe those got crossed um, do you identify as a male? Um, how do you explain this? It, it was not one of the boxes, my my explanation. So I had to write it out that um, I now have two DNAs. I have my original DNA, but my my blood and bone marrow is 100% my brother's DNA. So we are identical twins as far as that goes. Um, so this test must have picked up his DNA. There must have been some kind of maybe like a little bit of blood in my saliva or something that that was picked up on this test. So um, according to 23andMe, I am a male and I am also my daughter's uncle, according to 23andMe. So, yeah. So um, I was telling um, you, Adrian, in, in our previous conversation that as soon as my friends learned of this, they seized on the opportunity to take me out to a dude's day out. So we uh, went to a this really great breakfast spot and we had 
steak, eggs, and uh, beer for breakfast. And then we headed over to uh, this really gnarly reptile store where they have, you know, like rattlesnakes and Gila monsters and just like, I don't even know what these things were, these rad things that they let us hold for a little while. And then we went and did some um, archery. And then we went to a biker bar and we carved our initials in the bar and I used the men's room all day and it was really fun. <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> you have some fun friends. <laughs> I do. I do. They that's have impressive. helped me um, check off a lot of things on my bucket list. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And oh, we're going to talk about that just in a sec. So uh, before before we jump into that and, and discussing profound awesomeness and your your version of it and how you're living it. Um, uh, just going back to go, going through all your, your medical stuff, was there a period that you had a really dark, like your darkest hour, you know, emotionally, mentally, was there ever like a really tough period that you went through or was it less so? And you I, had that humor with your family and. I think my family had the tough part. They, I know went through some dark and really scary times because they were talking to my doctors about odds and things like that. I was not privy to those conversations. Um, they, they, my family members never showed it in front of me ever. They always had a smile on their face when they came to visit. So I, I didn't really know, you know, what my odds were or anything like that at the time. And, um, I remember my husband came in once, um, and he kind of was asking, Hey, so, you know, what, what, what would you like, just in case, like, what would you want anything special, like with the kids, like anything with, you know, our daughter's wedding, anything like that. And I just looked at him. I said, shut up. I'm not shut the fuck up. I'm not talking about this right now. Like, no, just no, like get out of the room right now. We're not, we're not ever discussing this. I just, I never thought that would ever happen. It never it never dawned on me that I wouldn't make it through. Never, ever, ever. Um, I don't know. My mind just never went there. Never mm. went there. Never did. Didn't allow it to. Mm -mm. And no, in I, I never, I never went dark. I mean, even when I, I was losing my hair, I, I tried to have fun with it. I had the nurses, you know, my pillow was starting to look like a giant hamster, just, just full of, <laughs> full of my dark hair. And, um, so the nurses came in one morning at like four and with the clippers and said, okay, today's the day. I'm like, okay, wait, 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 before you do that, I've always wanted to have a mohawk. So they, I had them like buzz my head, except for this strip down the middle. And I had a mohawk for the day. And it, it was just so fun to rock, to rock a mohawk, you know, instead mm. of going full bald right off the, right off the bat. So <laughs> I always tried to find some way to make it fun or amusing yeah. or adventurous or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, good good for you. And and to have that steeled um approach to it all. I, I mean, you know, from my circumstance, as they ran with me down the the corridor to the uh, cath lab for my heart surgery, Ugh. uh, you know, I had similar thoughts. Uh, but it was yeah. happening very, very quickly. But basically, um, as they ran down the hall, I had three thoughts. And the third thought is probably the most germane to this conversation. But the first two, my, my first one was my wife was traveling for work that particular weekend. And so oh my I was gosh. Like, it, I'm not going to like allow her to fly home a widow. I'm not putting this at her feet. I want a proper goodbye. Even if this is my, my end, I want a proper goodbye. Um, oh. And then my second thought was, and I had run out of my house to go mountain biking with my 
with my friends or left my kids to their iPhone devices. And I didn't tell yeah. them I loved them when I went, ran out the door. And I vowed in that moment um, that would never happen again. But then my third thought to, this is the germane to what you were just saying, is I just got completely steeled in my resolve. And I was just like, this is not going to fucking happen today. Yeah. I'm walking out yeah. of this hospital of my own two feet, of my own volition. That's exactly what's going to be happening. Um, and I think, I, I hope, I think it helped. Um and I, as scary as those times are, and you're surrendering yourself to fate in many ways, uh, I think there's some element of we, we can control it and we have to fight. Uh, and I don't mean to get preachy here, but I just hearing you say what you just said sort of triggered that thought within me that in these times we, we have to find our nerve and, and, and however we find it, you know, lean into it. Um, I agree. I'll, I'll get off my soapbox now and back to you. But, uh, <laughs> I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. You have to have that attitude. You You've cannot, you in, cannot give in. You can't give in. And in retrospect, did your, did your husband and children ever tell you what your odds were, even though you never wanted to talk about it? Did you ever? They did. It, the yeah. They, they weren't, they weren't great. <laughs> yeah. They were not great. Wow. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad that they didn't tell me at the time. I, I, I think that was the right thing to do. Um, I mean, who knows what, if I would have, you know, kept my same upbeat lookout, you know, or outlook, um, if they would have told me, I, I would mm. hope I would have, but yeah, mm. I don't know. I, I guess maybe I didn't know how serious it was at the time. So I was allowed to, to be optimistic. You were allowed, but you, you're, it sounds as, as you're talking that you wanted, you were going to tackle this your way. Um, and on your own terms, I mean, is what I'm picking up here. And so it's just really, yeah. really kind of a powerful lesson for me. I'm a, yeah, interested to hear that. <laughs> so, all right. So then you're eight and a half years out and, yeah. um, for everyone who's listening, uh, I've got to plug Jocelyn. She has a blog. It's called Jocelyn's brawl.com and Jocelyn spells her name with an S not a C. So it's J O S. And there she's, she details what I would say <laughs> and tell me <laughs> if I'm wrong, Jocelyn, but where you really have um, detailed, captured, cataloged your profound awesomeness survivor journey. Um, tell us more about what you've been doing, your butt kick list and how you got there and, how you're approaching life these days? Uh, well, when I was going through all of this, um, my parents and my husband would get, you know, 50 phone calls a day. How is she? What's the latest? Blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't great news. And so um, they just got really tired of answering all these questions over and over and over again. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to write it up. I'm going to put it in one place and then direct all these people who are, you know, dear friends and family to this one spot where they can read about it themselves instead of having my family have to rehash it over and over again. Um, so that's kind of how the blog started. And um, I just wrote, it's very raw. It's very real. It's very raw. Um, it's not very ladylike, but it's what was, what was happening with me. I was just honest. So um, it, it tells a story. It's not like, it's not like a boring um, account of all my medical procedures and things. It's, it's just kind of a humorous tour through all the offices and clinics and hospitals and procedures and testing and everything. I just tried to, like I said, find humor in it all. Um, so that's all there. And then um, 
after I was released to back to the real world, which took a while after the transplant, you know, I had to get my immune system back up and running. Um, I just had this vengeance for um, living and doing things that made me feel alive and adrenaline and all of that. I don't really know where it came from, but um, so I started this list and I called it the butt kick list and there are over a hundred things on it. And I just started checking them all off. And um, I just, I, I still feel the need to do all of this, although COVID kind of put a little bit of a kibosh on it, but I did, I did some rad things. I couldn't get friends or family to join me in doing them. And I, but I couldn't stop. I just, I had just had to do them. So, you know, I, I went bungee jumping and skydiving and I, I flew a glider and I, um, I drove a dragster and, um, I scaled down a 12 story building and, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I went flyboarding. I, I don't even know what I've done a lot of things. I swam with whales and, um, I don't know. And then, and then some of the things are not, are not all that, um, adrenaline driven. Um, you know, I, I smoked my own cigar. I learned how to knit. I'm in the process of reading the top 100 books ever written. So I just want to experience all that I can. And, um, that's how I've come out of this thing and just trying to kind of attack life with a vengeance. So yeah, that's what I'm all about now. Yeah, no kidding. This blog, I really have to plug it because there's some really fun stuff in there. I really enjoyed looking at the photographs of you with the humpback whales. I actually had a oh, thanks. fair degree of envy and then um, and a whale shark as well. I thought that was pretty cool. Some things that I think oh, those were really, really fun. Uh, <laughs> those are really fun. <laughs> and, and is this like a big departure? So prior to your, your sicknesses, um, were you living in this way? Is this like a, a radical sort of change for you, a big pivot? Um, I, I had always been into travel. Um, my husband and I were part of a, um, a, a university study abroad, uh, program called semester at sea. I don't know if you've heard of that, but no. that's how we met actually. Um, and my husband served on the board for eight years. So we were able to really take advantage of that. And, um, we've been to over a hundred countries, just, you know, all, all over the seven, all seven continents. And, um, so wherever I, I was, I would, I would try to see all I could. I wasn't necessarily going to, you know, jump off a bridge or anything. And then <laughs> I never pictured myself jumping out of an airplane, but after all this, I don't know why, but I just feel like I, I need to do all of that stuff. I, I don't know why I can't really explain it, but, um, the travel part was definitely part of my, I call it my prick life, my pre-sick life. Um, that was part of it, but I, I wasn't doing super daring things, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pulling it into you emotionally and spiritually. Um, how have things changed for you there? I mean, obviously living your life with a vengeance, there's a lot that drives that <laughs> spiritually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of delve more into the emotional side of things. Um, how, how are you living? How, and how have things changed for you there? I would just say um, the gratitude is just through the roof, just the little things like, you know, I, I love going to the market and just cruising around with my little cart and, putting things, you know, in my basket and just going for a walk and just watching a sunset and just remarking on how 
incredible this world is just, I would say just the little things appreciating it so much. Um, and then my brother, I mean, he literally saved my life. So, um, the gratitude I have towards him is I, I obviously we were always really close. I always loved him, but now it's, it's a whole nother level. It's hard to even explain it. Um, Plus we're, you know, we're identical twins now. So <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, even though he says I'm a, I'm a pain in his ass because that's where they get the marrow from, you know, out of the back <laughs> of the bones. So <laughs> right. he says, course. he says, I'm a, I'm a major pain in his ass. They, mm -hmm. they took um, six, six kind of drill holes in the back of his, his hip bones. Um, so when he says I'm a pain in his ass, I tell him he has seven assholes. Got to get back at him. <laughs> But anyway, um, that that is actually one thing I'd love to mention is um, movies and TV try to um, kind of sens sens sensationalize the whole um, bone marrow transplant procedure. And they portray it as this incredibly scary, incredibly painful procedure, which drives people away from wanting to donate, which is a huge disservice um, to society. It is actually not painful. It should not be scary. Um, you are completely knocked out when when they when they do the procedure. So you don't feel anything. Um, when you wake up, you know your backside's your backside is sore, but it's it's not a huge deal. It's it's nothing like it's portrayed to be. Um, so I just definitely wanted to say that. So there's there's a bone marrow registry. If you do not have a family member that that matches you. Um, then you will turn to the bone marrow registry. There are millions of people on this registry um, and they're saving lives every day. Um, but I think a lot of people are afraid to join the registry because of these shows that they're seeing where that, you know, the bone marrow transplant is just, you just don't want anything to do with it because it's just real scary. So. Interesting. I'm glad yeah. you pointed that out. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's really, really important that people sign up and, and get on the registry. Cause you could save a life. Coincidentally, um, both of our children signed up for be the match after my ordeal. And, um, if you are on the registry, you have a one in 600 chance of being called to, to donate to someone, to save someone's life. Our son was called, um, mm. a few months after my procedure and he donated and saved a life. Um, a man in Italy matched him perfectly. So, um, my husband and I have a 65 year old son in Italy <laughs> who's our, our son's, you know, his twin now. So, um, it, it's amazing. So now, you know, our son knows for the rest of his life that he saved, he saved someone. So it's just an amazing That's karma incredible. thing and just yeah. pay it forward thing. So yeah. I encourage everyone. It's just a little cheek swab to, to get put on the registry. It's nothing. So so if you want to get yeah. put on the registry, like where do, where would you point people? Be the match.org. Be the match.org. Okay. Be the match.org. And um, we have um, done a couple donor drives um, where we have registered probably close to 500 people, just my husband and I and, and our friends. And we've already had, I think seven lives saved. Um, people were, were called and they, they saved lives. It, it's, it's amazing. I have another friend who walked across a marrow um, and he was swabbing everyone he met. He had be the match 
send him kits along the way. And he was swabbing and swabbing and swabbing. And he added, I think, gosh, he added, I don't know, 700 people to the registry, something like that. And people from, from his swabbing have also gone on to save lives. So it's just, it's just a wonderful thing that more people need to know about. Yeah. Well, I'm glad yeah. I'm thrilled you brought this up. Yeah. Uh, in, new to me and uh, inspirational indeed. Um, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt yeah. at all. I uh, really wish I could, I could do it. They, they, they won't let me do it because of my past, but um, if I could, I, I would in one second. Um, would your brother do it again? I mean, could, could he do it again? Is it possible? Yeah. Yeah. Do it again? It's okay. yeah. It's that's yeah. I should have mentioned it. So um, your cells regenerate. So you, you lose nothing. There's no risk. You, you lose nothing. So um, he's hundred percent back to normal. That's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's really phenomenal. Um, so you, um, what other types of advocacy work are you up up to me sounds that's phenomenal you've got all those people to register you know, through your friends and i know through your blog site that people have reached out to you who have had shulman syndrome and aplastic anemia um so you're mm-hmm. you're a resource an open and willing resource for people there Any, yeah anything else we should know about um nothing really organized but like you said people have reached out to me i've i've spoken to countless people um there, there were a couple of organizations that also reached out. So I'm, um, I'm on their, their list of, you yeah. know, to my contact information is available to anyone that's, you know, suffering from any of these diseases or any of their, you know, loved ones that, that need some help, um, on how to, how to deal with a patient who's suffering from any of these things. So, um, I have spoken to countless people, um, just letting them know what's up and, you know, the best way to kind of go about this. That's great. So yeah. Just, just even talking about it. Yeah, for sure. Just even talking about it, bring, bringing awareness, driving awareness, even just what you shared with us here just moments ago, I think was, um, will really help and get people aware and, and hopefully involved. Good. Good. Yeah. 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 Be the match.org people. Be the match. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) They're great. They're really, really great. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then I guess bringing it home for us, you know, if someone's going through this or something comparable, I mean, I think I know what you'd say, but I'll ask it anyways. I mean, what, <laughs> you know, what sort of coaching, what sort of advice spiritually or otherwise would you give somebody? Well, um, just got to keep it positive. Um, and I think, I mean, there's, there's humor in, in everything even though it seems dark and scary and unknown there, you can always find a little sliver of humor. And, and that was my key. I would always find something to laugh about whatever it was and just really hold on to that and make that, make that the the number one thing. I just really, really tried to laugh. That, that was my best medicine. Hmm. Yep. Yep. And you had your family to help you. So I think that was great. That was great. Not everyone has that. So I'm extremely lucky. Very, very fortunate to to have that and that they were close by um, and, you know, able to, able to support me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and your, 
you know, your perspectives and kind of what you went through and how you're living life right now. It's all, it's, it's truly remarkable uh, to, to well, listen to it and, and get to know you and, and get to know your, the, the events that transpired in your life and how you're living right now. It's a, it's a big inspiration to me. I need to work on my own butt kick list. <laughs> uh, um, truth be told, I don't have one, uh, but I think I need to start creating one and start like you scratching them off the list. It's a great focus. It, it really yeah. is. And, you know, it doesn't have to be adrenaline stuff. That's just kind of mine's adrenaline heavy, but it, it can be anything. It can be, you know, visiting a certain place or learning how to do something or reading something or, you know, just attending something. It's, it can be anything. Yeah. It's, it's just a great kind of list of goals yeah. something to focus on. Just it, yeah, positive. it sounds... It sounds like it. I'm coming up on my five-year survivor anniversary uh, here in October. And so I've got a few things that I plan to do around that. Unrelated. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, but not so related to a butt kick list, but still want to make sure that I'm doing things um, and living. Uh, yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. part of our little secret. That's it. That's it. For <laughs> sure. For sure. Well, thank yeah. you, Jocelyn, so much for, for coming on the show today. Again, everyone, if you would like to know more about Jocelyn, please visit her blog, jocelynsbrawl.com or visit bethematch.org uh, if you'd like to get involved in being a, a possible donor, right? Um, yes. Yeah. Any final yeah. words of wisdom from you, Jocelyn? <laughs> uh, just just laugh. Just, just laugh. laugh. Keep laughing, huh? Find the humor. Yeah. For Find sure. All right. Well, that's a, there's the key theme right there. Find the humor. All right. Yep. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Jocelyn. We really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your your perspectives, your journey, and your wisdom. Thank you so much for having me, Adrian. It was my pleasure. Great. All right. Thanks so much. Bye, Jocelyn. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Profound Awesomeness. We appreciate you being here. Make sure to listen to future episodes and please subscribe to Profound Awesomeness wherever you download your podcasts.